I want you to take a mental walk with me. Let's walk through the woods or the jungle or maybe even the zoo and take a look around. And this isn't going to be too hard for you to imagine because you're probably going to hear roosters in the background. So, you know, just go with it. There goes one right now. <laughs> anyway, let's walk very quietly so we don't disturb what the animals are doing. Let's imagine we come up on some animal, any animal you can imagine, giving birth. What does that animal look like? Is it standing up? Is it laying on its side? Is it squatting? Is it laying on its back? I can tell you with nearly 100% accuracy that no matter what animal you imagined, that it was not laying on its back giving birth. And there is a reason for that. So why, if you walk into any labor room in any hospital in America and many other so-called developed countries, do you find almost all of the moms laying on their backs with their legs up in the air with spotlights on their nether regions giving birth that way? Well, I'm sure you can imagine that it didn't start that way and that's not what's natural, but let's dig into how this all came about. Let's just take some time and talk about it. Come on. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth, if we work with His design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for His glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. Did you miss out on getting to sign up for the first round of the Your Birth God's Way Christian Childbirth Education course and now you've got something on your mind that you really need help with but you don't know where to turn? I know so many of you feel rushed and you get flustered during those few brief moments you have with your provider. You've got a list of things you want to talk about in your head, but in the instant that you have to ask them, you forget, or worse, you convince yourself it was a dumb question and you just don't ask. I feel your pain, Mama. So often it's hard to get the information you need from somebody you can trust. So if you're currently kicking yourself because you didn't sign up for our class, do not stress. I'm still here for you. Down in the show notes, there's a link called the Midwife and Me Power Hour, where you can sign up for an entire hour of one-on-one -on -one time with me. You'll answer a few brief questions so that then I can tailor our time addressing exactly what you need for where you are in your pregnancy. You don't have to worry about hospital policy or bias influencing the answers you get. You'll just get straightforward advice from a Christian midwife who's been there and done that no matter what that is. I don't have many slots available, so be sure to grab one while you can. I'm here to help you have your birth the way God intended it to be. Go sign up for a Midwife and Me Power Hour right now. Today, I want to say a quick thank you to the screen name is So Call Over. 
not really sure what that says, but there's no regular name on it. So I just thought I would read the screen name so you know I'm talking to you. I want to thank you so much for the review you left me back on June the 7th. It was a five-star review. It said, wow, loving this. Just found out I'm pregnant, and she explains everything I need to know. She is so awesome, and the fact that she is a believer as well is so awesome. Looking forward to this. Well, thank you so much for saying I'm awesome. I'm just a regular old girl who has just learned some things along the way that I want to share with you, and I appreciate your words of encouragement, and I appreciate you listening. And if you have not left me a review yet, I ask that you would go do that. It only takes about 30 seconds, and it helps me so much more than you really understand. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, on either your iPad or your iPhone or your MacBook, whatever, if you'll head over there, click the fifth star, and then type in what you think about the podcast, and that will help me so, so much. Okay, so let's dig into our content for today, because we're going to talk about whether or not God designed women to give birth on their backs. And while you probably know intuitively what the answer to this is, you might not know how we got to this point because probably most of what you've seen in your experience, just like most of what I had seen in my experience early on, is women giving birth on their backs. If you watch any show on TV that has a birth featured, it's going to be in a sterile, bright white hospital environment, and mom's going to be on her back usually sweating, looking exhausted with people screaming at her to push, right? That's what it usually looks like unless you happen to be watching Call the Midwife or something. The doctor is going to be in what looks like sterile attire. He's going to have or she's going to have a table of instruments sitting there with all kinds of different scissors and clamps and different things like that. Dad or the nurse is going to be holding the legs and mom's going to be curled up into some kind of weird looking ball. That is birth for most in America. But why? Is that natural? Of course it's not. In the intro, we took a walk through nature and we considered what we would find there. And it turns out nothing in nature births like we do. One of my favorite pictures I ever saw about a birth had an elephant laying on its back, giving birth next to a human that was doing the same. And it has a line about imagining making an elephant give, give birth like that and how it would probably require medications and surgery. And then it draws parallels to the human right next to it needing medications and surgery to birth in that position. Are you starting to make the connections here? I'm going to try to remember to post the picture in our Facebook group. So if you haven't joined that yet, be sure you do that. It's just facebook.com slash group slash your birth God's way. I'll try, I say I'll try to remember it because I'm recording this quite a while before it will post, and so I need to remember it when the episode actually posts. If you're in there and you haven't seen the picture yet, shoot me a message to remind me and I'll put it up. But I digress. Anyway, nothing about any of this makes sense. Nothing about laying on your back makes sense. Nothing about the whole scenario makes sense. So let's talk about why. First, I want to talk about the anatomy of the pelvis, just so you understand why this doesn't make sense. I know you know it doesn't. But I'll wanna, I want you to understand the anatomy behind why it doesn't. So the pelvis is actually four bones. It's not just one big old bone. It's four bones. There's two hip bones. These are the things you feel when you kind of feel through your sides towards the front. You know, that bone, your hip bones. It, that is two different bones. And those bones have three parts that are called the ilium, the ischium, and the pubis. And it's not important that you know all this. I'm just trying to help you to appreciate why none of this makes sense. So you got the two hip bones that are each three parts, which are different regions on that bone, different markings and things like that. 
Then you have the sacrum, which is kind of a triangle, upside down triangle shaped area that connects to these hip bones. And you have the coccyx, which is the tailbone. Among all of these bones, there are four joints. There's the symphysis pubis. That's where the hip bones join in the front. You've probably heard this called the pu pubic bone, but it's actually two bones joining together with cartilage in between. There's the sacroiliac joints, and that's where the sacrum joins to the bigger pelvic bones. And there's the sacrococcygeal joint, and that's where the sacrum, that's between the sacrum and the coccyx. In addition to all those things, there's also ligaments, and there's different measurements and dimensions and things like this. All of this one thing called the pelvis that many people just think of as being one bone, but it's really lots of mobile parts, okay? There's four main types of pelvises that have different measurements and different parts of it or tend to be bigger or wider based on the type of pelvis that you have. I'm not going to go into all that today, maybe in a future episode, but basically just be aware that there are different types of pelvises that are different shapes and things like that, just like there's different types of people in different shapes. Now, let's move on to the baby's bones that matter in this particular scenario. We've got all the bones of the pelvis that move. And we've also got all the bones of the fetal skull that also move. There are five main bones of the fetal skull and ossification, which is where those bones become hard and, and are just kind of um, fixed. That process is not complete at birth. All of those bones can move and overlap and squeeze and alter themselves to be able to fit through that pelvis we just talked about. The area between these bones is called sutures. It's just where these bones meet together. And then where the, the membranes of these sutures meet in kind of intersections, if you will, there's something called fontanelles. And that's what you've heard called the baby soft spot before. So these are all there by design. And all of these facilitate the fetal skull being able to mold the way that it needs to to fit through the pelvis. This is all a beautiful picture of God's wisdom because all of these factors of the pelvis and the baby's head work together in part of this beautiful symphony that he wrote called birth. The bones of the hips move according to how mom moves. If she squats, the bones move a certain way and that way actually makes the outlet of the pelvis the shortest. If she lunges, the bones move a different way and th that is kind of out of sync, which can be a good thing because that causes some alterations in the movement to give the baby room to wiggle down. If she lays on her side with her legs in various positions, the pelvis moves and gravity helps the baby come down and adjust as well. But if she is made to lay on her back, the sacrum, that triangular part in the back that I told you about, and the coccyx, the tailbone, are pushed upward in a way that actually makes the pelvic outlet more, the pelvic outlet more narrow the narrowest it can be. Think about that. We're making the pelvic outlet of the pelvis where the baby is designed to come out, it's smallest. So that right there tells you this doesn't make sense. A mother follows her instinct to find the position she needs to be in when she relies on herself and she hasn't turned over her wisdom and her instinct and her autonomy to others. You'll see if a mom is laboring naturally, she'll be swaying or doing different little rhythmic movements that she may not even be aware she's doing it. Those are those instincts that I'm talking about where her body is telling her what she needs to do to allow that sweet baby to find its way down. And I'll tell you that she will almost never choose to be on her back. Another reason 
that she doesn't choose to be on her back, or if she does, she's not going to be there for very long, is because it impacts her circulation, which makes it uncomfortable both for her and it negatively impacts the baby because the circulation of the baby is impacted as her circulation is impacted. So when a woman labors, she tends to do things that she doesn't understand, like I said, and she doesn't know she's doing them, but that is God's wisdom in us. He made our bodies to know what to do instinctively. No more than you made that baby that's inside of you, did you make the way for the baby to get out, right? God made that. He facilitated this whole thing. He made your body to know what it needs to do to let that baby find its way out at the right time. Almost no mother will give birth on her back if she's given the freedom to birth without intervention and without any interruptions. Now remember, let's go back to physics class in high school. Gravity wins every time. You can't overcome gravity for very long, right? So many of the positions that a mom will choose to labor in allow gravity to do the work or the bulk of the work. When you lay a mom on her back, makes her have to actually work against gravity because the coccyx is now pointing upward and you have to make the baby move up around that bone in addition to coming under and up and under the symphysis pubis and around the coccyx. It's, it's just a, a, an acrobatic movement that when you really think about it, again, none of it makes sense and it should have never happened. So why do moms in hospitals give birth on their backs? This is the question. Historically, over the course of hundreds of years, women would tend to give birth on things called birthing stools, which kind of put them in a squatting position so they're able to squat without actually having to support their body weight. Midwives would be at their level or below them, and they would catch the baby as it came out. Think of kind of like a a toilet seat where the front of it's open. That's kind of what a birthing stool looks like so that the midwife can reach in and catch the baby but mom is able to squat and have her hips wide open so that the baby can come down easily. Again, midwives would be at their level or below them. That's, that's an important factor. Giving birth on the back did not show up until the 1700s when King Louis XIV wanted to see his baby born. Well, now, a king can't be down on the floor, right? It is literally below him. So it was said that she was laid down to give birth so that he could see. So this was not for mom's convenience. It was not for her comfort. It was not for the baby's well-being. Unfortunately, this kind of caught on. Others began to copy this in the king's court, others that had witnessed it. And midwives found, as this started to take place, because at that time, midwives were the ones attending all the births, they found they were having more trouble getting the babies out when the moms were in these positions. So what happened? Doctors had to be called in. Well, as word spread, people started doing this more and more because they believed that if it was the king's, if it was good enough for the king and his court, well, that must be the best way, right? So it caught on. And doctors preferred this because they didn't have to get down on the floor and be below the mom, like would be required if they were on those stools, and it was easier on them but it was not easier on the moms. This also facilitated another movement later in which doctors were trying to push midwives out of practice. And we'll talk more about the history of birth and how it came to be what it is now in a future episode. 
But suffice it to say that here we are some 300 years later. That math, was that math right? <laughs> some 300 years later, and we're still having most moms give birth on their backs because it's convenient for the doctors, and most doctors are above being below women. Now, I'm not a feminist, but it doesn't take to, a genius to see that is very paternalistic. I guess that's the right word in nature. We lay moms on their backs with their legs high in uncomfortable stirrups, and we often numb them from the waist down. Then we scream at them to push because they can't feel the push anymore. That puts an unnatural amount of force and pressure on their bottom, which often causes swelling. Then when and if the baby's head actually gets there, assuming the flat position combined with the likely induction didn't get in such a bad position that it can't come through, once it gets there, the size of the head with the undue pressure in an unnatural way often causes that swollen tissue to tear, often badly. Additionally, to clear that front shoulder, because once the head comes out, then you got to get the shoulders out, downward pressure is put on the baby, which in that position is, a, is necessary because the shoulder has trouble getting around that bone because gravity's not helping us here, right? But that force puts a lot of additional pressure on the skin between the vagina and the anus, hence tearing in that area that can cause the problems with incontinence down the road. This, they call it purple pushing. That's where you pur you're pushing until your face turns purple. This purple pushing has also been tied to urinary incontinence down the road. So the kind I was talking about, if you tear between your vagina and anus, is incontinence of your stool or your bowel movements. But the pushing can also cause you down the road to have problems with urinary incontinence. So while this position, again, is the worst for moms, it causes so many things that can usually be prevented. It is best for the docs. They can see quite clearly what's going on. And then if there's a repair needed from the tear that likely happens because of the way that birth has been manipulated, they can do those repairs without a lot of hubbub because everything's still right there on plain display. They can also do what's called active management of the fourth stage or when the placenta is coming down. They can be right there to go ahead and start giving that placenta tugs to try to get it out faster because they don't want to sit there and wait on it. They can't start the repair usually until that's out. So they want to go ahead and get that over with. So when everything's there on display and the mom's legs are already up and out of the way, they can go ahead and start doing that. All of this, every time I go through it mentally, it just, it's so upsetting to me because it's causing women lifetimes of problems that they just went along with what they were told to do, not realizing the risk they were putting themselves in. So what's the moral of the story? Women give birth on their backs because that's the hospital routine. It's what little girls have seen on TV shows since their earliest memories. And because we don't have that generational birth model where mamas and grandmamas and female children are all present at births over and over, we have lost the wisdom of how births should look and we're scared of it. What is really one big model of a mess of interventions is what should be scary. Not birth itself, but this mess that happens in hospitals day in and day out. That's what's scary. Birth itself is beautiful. God's way is beautiful. And it is logical. And it is a model that you can put the full weight of your faith in as he created it. And when you work with it, it works. 
I hope you've learned something today and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. So come on over and join us in our Facebook group so that I can hear what you think about it and we can have a good discussion about how to overcome this broken model so that we can get back to doing doing things God's way. Please share this with a friend if you did learn something and don't forget to go leave me a review. I will see you right back here next week. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.